listening to Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's Janie Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. JD alongside Andrew Wadden. Uh, in the inbox right now. I see a lot of ha 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 Oh, hold on. I was going to read this, but... Uh, oh, hold on. Maybe I got it right. Hypothetical time. Say the... Say, <laughs> sometimes. Say the Canucks get Lafreniere. Would you move him to wing or trade Besser to keep him at center? Well, uh, he's, he's not a center. He's not a center. Yeah, so... <laughs> like he's, a, he's a, no, but come on. Like, fair, yeah, fair. fair enough. Not fair. everybody. Not everybody's a prospect nerd. I totally yeah. get that. I'm just laughing at the premise of the question because it's like, well, uh, have I got some news for you, pal? Yeah, not everybody's a, a prospect nerd or a nerd like yourself. That's right. Right. And that's why I'm such a hit with the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of another guy that's a hit with the ladies, Harmon Dial from the Athletic joining us on the line. Harm, how you doing, buddy? What an intro, guys! What an intro! <laughs> I mean, with a goatee like that. Oh man, that that is that is. That, I mean, like, Mike Gillis is like jealous right now. I, I defer. Like <laughs> I won't even try if I'm in the same sentence as Harm and Dial. Like no chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, Harm. Uh, well, we spoke to you yesterday on the PM Drive show. Uh, what are your thoughts about the the draft lottery? I know you, we we spoke about how you know there's. Really, a chance that the Canucks could be worse next year, and perhaps maybe they they flirt with this pick uh, this year. But you know, now they have a scenario where they could lose to Minnesota, and hey, perhaps be drafting Alexi Lafreniere to play the wing for them. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I, I like chaos. So for me to to see a placeholder team win the first overall pick, like this is this is awesome. I love to see it. But uh, when when I kind of look, step back and, and look at the circumstances, ultimately it's only a 12.5% chance. And realistically, when have the Canucks ever been lucky? So to me, um, obviously there's uh, a huge debate in the market right now. Uh, you're seeing the Team Tank uh, gang back out there uh, fighting off against uh, Team Playoffs. And, and to me, it's, it's really interesting because the way I sort of see it, it's it's tough because to me, if you lose that series, it's still almost a 90% chance that you don't pick first overall. Um, so I guess my main takeaway in looking at the situation is if I'm, uh, if I was a fan, I'd be, I'd be supporting the, the team to win, honestly, because um, you look at the potential gains. I mean, are you really going to cheer against, um, your best players doing well in a playoff-like atmosphere and, and getting more experience under their belt. And sort of, I know culture is the most overrated thing in sports to talk about, but toxic losing culture is the last thing you want to have. It's how, um, it's how your best, it, it's how good players ask out, right? Like look at Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo, uh, Edmonton before this season, right? You don't want to cultivate that sort of environment and with the type of losing that the Canucks have gone through over the past um, half decade, how does Bo Horvat feel? And so to me, if, if, if I was a fan, I'd look at it as I'm cheering for this team to win. And if they lose, then, then the fact that they have a crack at the first overall pick is just a nice consolation prize. I've got to say, Harmon, it's actually really impressive. I mean, we, we know that you're mature beyond your years, wise beyond your years, but the level of jaded uh, Canucks fandom that you just expressed there, I mean, like, 
that that takes so much trauma and and so much heartbreak and so many playoff losses to get to and you just you bolted right past that i mean i i i just i respect it almost i really do I mean, Wadden, didn't you have a question there? I just had to get that out there. Yeah, I know you wanted to get get that dig in there. Although uh, that dig, uh, <laughs> our, that dig. Uh, we asked a poll question today. What's more appealing to you as a Canucks fan? Uh, Fifty-one odds to win the Stanley Cup. That's I dug that up from uh, CBS uh, Sports, or a twelve and a half percent chance to win the draft lottery. Eight hundred votes are in right now. Fifty-seven percent are saying the draft lottery. So you know, others are thinking the other way. But uh, I tend to agree with you, Harm. I think it's time to uh you know start making hay here uh while the canucks have the horses um i want to talk about your latest piece on the athletic as well how the ryan kessler trade tree looks for the canucks six years later can you break that down for the audience and tell us exactly where that tree has now extended yeah so it's obviously gone through there, there have been a lot of side trades and so um you've kind of got to dig deep to, to look at what sort of the remaining pieces are and so i guess um, my summary in kind of breaking things down is that uh, the initial t- return actually ended up pretty decent um, with with respect to once you sort of consider the context, but it's been spoiled by inefficient asset management. And what I mean by that is when you look back at the original Kessler trade, uh, you remember the fact that because of his no trade clause, Kessler forced sort of, he handcuffed Benning. Like they, the only the only two potential trade partners he had were Chicago and Anaheim. So that obviously affected um, of Vancouver's leverage in negotiations. And um, if you consider Lucas Spies' value nil, which uh, I'm sure we can all agree on, then essentially the, the, the Canucks got Jared McCann as a premium for downgrading, downgrading from Kessler to Benino um, down the middle. And the way I see it, that's actually not bad value because Benino's been a championship caliber level 3C for the last half decade. Um, he's, he's going to likely continue to provide that value for at least uh, the next couple of years. Um, and then in McCann, you have a quality middle six forward who can play both center and wing. Uh, you look at his underlying profile, he's actually got decent defensive utility, um, young and cost controllable. So that, that would obviously have been a valuable piece for the Canucks. Problem, of course, is what they did with those uh, pieces. I mean, Nick Benino, at the time when you trade him for Brandon Sutter, it seemed like a lateral move at best. And when you obviously examine their performance over the years, Sutter at this stage in his career is a negative asset when you consider the fact that he's making almost $4.4 million. So what you had at Benino, uh, the Canucks have essentially nothing to show for it now. And then when you look at McCann, obviously in a roundabout way, it's turned into Tanner Pearson, Although you have to keep in mind two things. One is that, obviously, in the initial good Branson trade, they gave up uh, the 33rd overall pick in 2016. So they gave up another valuable piece as part of that. Uh, and then B, uh, in comparing McCann and Pearson, sure, Pearson's provided more value uh, to Vancouver's top six than maybe McCann would have over the last 18 months since he came over from uh, the Penguins. But the problem that I see is are the Canucks even going to be able to retain Pearson and continue to get that value? Because he's a UFA next summer. Pedersen and Hughes are up for renewal. Uh, and you contrast that to McCann. Obviously, he's the younger and, again, more cost-controllable piece. So he would have been easier to retain. So moving forward, I don't know if you're going to get that same level of production. But 
when you look at it, really the only valuable piece that the Canucks still have uh, out of that Kessler trade uh, is Tanner Pearson. We're talking to Harmon Dial from The Athletic in Vancouver. I'm just hearing that analysis break down there, and at the end I'm like, wow, that's yikes. Anyway, yeah, JD. so um, it really does get depressing when you yeah, break it down kinda, like I'm that. It's, it's, almost, that. <laughs> it's almost overwhelming. I guess we just answered my last question about how Harmon is already so jaded yes, at such exactly. a young age. There it is there. But, uh, no, I wanted to shift gears to something a little more promising, and that's the idea of the Canucks adding a defenseman through the draft to their prospect pool. And I ask this, of course, because you wrote about this in the Athletic Vancouver this week. I thought you did an excellent job in particular with that article, you specifically. And I wanted to ask you, who are some of the defensemen that you see as most attainable through that particular avenue of roster construction? And which ones really stuck out to you as the prized pieces in that pool of players? Yeah, so I think if you look at um, uh, a few of the options that Vancouver could explore with their first-round pick, obviously uh, Jake Sanderson, uh, I don't think he's going to be around by the time Vancouver picks in the middle of the first round, but he'd be an excellent addition if he somehow uh, managed to fall. Other than that, um, I like Hayden Gooley of uh, the Prince Albert Raiders out of WHL. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. It's kind of like a <laughs> steady, like, I mean, J.D., you know this way more than I do, but just a steady two-way defenseman with highly coveted physical tools, gets around the ice extremely well, um, kind of has that long reach and mobility uh, where he can combine that with his with his stature to eliminate plays defensively. You know, take time and space away, and then um, and then eliminate eliminate the one on one threat. And um, he can move the puck pretty well. Um, he may not have a, a ton of dynamic tools offensively, but he's improving in that area. And he just seems kind of like uh, a really well rounded two-way defenseman who I think could be uh, a, a valuable top-four defenseman in the future. Um, aside from that, um, our, our right-shot option that uh, was kind of intriguing to me um, in my limited viewings was uh, Helgi Grant, and I spoke about him yesterday. Um, again, same sort of thing where, where it's like he's six foot three, but he skates like the wind, and he has uh, a lot of offensive tools um, in my opinion, he's an excellent puck mover, uh, creative and aggressive in the offensive zone. Um, he played regular minutes in the SHL, and that that's always a good sign um, when you consider a defenseman that young being able to, to thrive in, 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 a, in a men's league. Um, and so to me, his defensive play can fluctuate. It's a little bit inconsistent. But I think, again, he has... He has the tools to where if he can learn to be a little bit more uh, aggressive and assertive with his frame, that he can round out that part of his game. And again, similar to Gooley, kind of just be this top four all situations uh, defenseman with plus size, skating, and uh, and puck skills. So those are the two that kind of stood out to me um, as far as potential targets that the Canucks could look at um, in the first round. Yeah, definitely want to go defenseman there. They need to start stockpiling a little I, bit. I here. love Harmon's <laughs> answers there, and and I'm not even doing the bit right now. Like Caden yeah. Gooley is somebody that I keyed in on at the Halinka Gretzky. I actually thought that he outplayed Jamie Drysdale in that tournament. Wow, small sample size, granted, but I love the way that he played. I mean, Helga Granz, on the other hand, struggled mightily at the Halinka. Really recovered to put together a fantastic season with the Malmo Redhawks. 
But uh, I could go on about those two for days. What do you got, Andrew? Well, I was going to pivot a little bit and uh, talk about one of your pieces that came out earlier in the week with Thomas Drantz, who, by the way, is uh, highly regarded in my books, maybe not my colleagues <laughs> over there. But uh, you guys talked to some pro scouts uh, giving a breakdown of the Canucks versus Wild uh, qualifying round. Uh, what are the pro scouts saying uh, between that matchup? They're saying it's it's going to be a close series, and, and obviously that's... Um, so it seems like a cop-out answer. It seems like you're just stating the obvious. But um, when we kind of talked to them and, and sort of they, they picked apart each department um, uh, of the team, I think there are a few key takeaways from Vancouver's perspective. It's that, uh, A, there were a lot of concerns about Vancouver's blue line um, after Queen's and whether they're going to... Because a lot of play uh, a tenacious dump, dump and chase style. Right, they've got bigger bodies. They can get in on the forecheck. They can close gaps quickly, um, and so they're going to try and get pucks behind Vancouver's D. And the question that a lot of these pro scouts had was: Will Vancouver be able to, given their back end, move pucks quickly enough up the ice? And that's not only to ensure that they can actually ensure. Uh, that's not only to make sure that they can get other out of their own zone, but to drive Vancouver's transition offense because we know how much the Canucks produce off the rush can be a critical component ensuring that when Elias Pettersson is on the ice or when the Bull of Atlanta is on the ice, that you're not spending time in your own end. Uh, and so that was, that, that was seen as kind of uh, an important factor uh, to watch for. And, and, and sort of when you both when you broke things down, the post guys kind of figured, you know, goaltending Vancouver has the advantage. Uh, top six, they have the advantage. Uh, but elsewhere, the Wild obviously have a much better blue line. Uh, their bottom six is uh, is much more valuable. Like, the the scope that I talked to essentially said, if Vancouver and Minnesota's top six uh, essentially end up even as far as goal differential, then the Canucks could be in big trouble there. Yeah. So to me, A, getting high in production, production out of your best players, and B, um, and be getting out of, out of your zone efficiently. That's going to be uh, two of the most important things uh, for Vancouver in the series uh, based off of uh, our discussions with uh, Pro Scouts. Yeah, you know what? I think we're in for a heck of a series between these two guys. I, I mean, again, there's... Uh, I don't. I, I think they're not going to play. Well, I know you... <laughs> Doctor Doom over there, <laughs> always coming with the negativity. But listen, Harm, if Speaking they have jaded, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. you know, I thought it was really the funny in the boy piece where uh, there's this one comment where Drance pleads with one of the pro scouts to say that Tyler Myers is going to be a dif- difference maker. I thought that was a little bit <laughs> weird, but I thought you did some great work in there, Harm. Harm, uh, he has to reach some sort of uh, dis Thomas Drance quota per show here, so that's why he keeps getting those in while you're here. But uh, appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Harm and Dial, a regular contributor here on, on Rinkwide. Do you have some sort of, like, you know, you have to get this many digs oh, yeah, in yeah, on yeah, Drance? Yeah, 100%. Okay. That's, just, yeah. that's just how it works. We're like Halford and Bruff that way. Yeah. Who is? Me and you? No, Drance and I, like, in terms of just, like, constantly... Oh, that's right, because Bruff just constantly goes at Halford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I actually, you know, I I tend to take Halford's side in that fight, which makes it funny that I become the Bruff in this relationship. Oh, God, anyway. All right, on the other side, open segment, phone boards are open. We'll take your calls, 604-280-1040-844-876-1040, toll-free, or you can hit us up in the Brain and Injury Law text message inbox at 104040, or... Email 
live at tsn1040.ca. Some feedback from you coming up next. Rink-wide, show that always scores, TSN 1040. A message from Canadian Blood.